Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Patrick Bay David, founder of PHP and Value Team. And if you want to learn how to genuinely connect with others, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another awesome interview on the Build Your Network Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to bring another guest to the table. His name is Patrick Bet David. This guy is a really huge deal because... Patrick has a, a very engaged social following. He's got almost a million subscribers on his YouTube channel, Valuetainment, where he helps out entrepreneurs with the daily struggles of what to do next and where to take your business and all that good stuff. And on his show, Valuetainment, Patrick's been able to interview people like Magic Johnson, Kevin Hart, James Worthy, Mark Cuban, Steve Wozniak, just to name a few. So the guy definitely knows a thing or two about networking. But the cool thing about it is that Patrick was actually one of the first top name influencers to say yes to an interview on the Build Your Network podcast. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can go back to episode number six of the show to listen to that episode. Yes, episode six. So it's been a while since he's been on, but he was gracious enough to allow me to come out to the studio that they just built out for Valuetainment, got to sit down, interview Patrick in person. 
And he's just got so much great content out there. So if you don't know who he is, he started a company called PHP Agency, People Helping People Agency, before he turned 30 years old as an insurance sales marketing distribution company. And it's quickly become one of the fastest growing companies in the financial marketplace. They're doing over $100 million now, and it was less than less than six years, I think, from zero to $100 million, less than six years. And then he also now has a Valuetainment, which I kind of mentioned before. It's a YouTube channel that has almost a million subscribers subscribers on it, which uh, we kind of talk about a little bit of what they're going to do in terms of this big event that they're going to throw after they hit a million subscribers and which will be happening very, very shortly. He gives out so much free value. It's crazy. If you're not following this guy, you 100% should be. So me and him sit down. We talk about uh, what it takes to make a viral video. The thing that launched Valuetainment to really start growing was a video that they made called The Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Seconds. And it accumulated over 30 million views in like a month or two, (laughs) which was absolutely insane. So we talk about what it takes to make a viral video. We talk about the most pivotal moment of Patrick's life. And we talk about, of course, his best networking tactics and strategies. Man, this is such a great conversation with Patrick. So I can't wait to get into it. But before we do that, I'm happy to announce the beginning of my new mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. Uh, You hear me talk a lot about masterminds on the show. So if this is something that you've ever been interested in in the least, I highly recommend heading over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to apply to be a part of this movement. We just just started out. It is the most affordable service that I've ever put out there. And so we already have 20 people in there that just jumped on board within the last week or two. And we're really taking action and moving forward with this. So If you have ever wanted to be a part of an active, engaged community, that's a family that helps keep you accountable to reaching your goals and helps encourage you along the way that uh, you can bounce ideas off of and brainstorm with, I highly recommend checking it out. So go ahead and go over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to apply, and I will see you on the inside. And now without any further ado, enjoy my conversation with Patrick Bet-David. Pat, welcome to the show, man. It is a real, real pleasure for me because you were actually one of the first big names to say yes to an interview on the show now over a year ago, back when, before we even launched and we were still struggling to gain some traction. And now it's been a year. We've hit some top charts. We've had a a slew of top guests on. And I have a lot of that to owe to the people that gave me a shot when I was first getting started. So I really appreciate your time. Anytime. And I remember when others gave us a shot, you know, and so we were coming up, Mark Cuban gave us a shot, a couple guys gave us a shot. And it was a big boost. But the fact that I gave you a shot is you were sincere. A lot of people come up and they tell us stuff that they want to do, but you were sincere and look at you, you're still doing it. And you've been getting some growth last four to five months. So proud of your efforts. Yeah. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And kind of on that, this is not even in my notes, not even anything that I was going to talk about, but it's just something that came up in my head. What makes somebody stand out? I'm sure, especially now you guys get just probably hundreds and hundreds of people reaching out to you on a, on a monthly, yearly basis, wanting to come on Valuetainment or wanting to get you on their yeah. show. What makes them stand out? So one, who wants to be on Valuetainment, we filter. So we get people on Valuetainment that we want to be on Valuetainment. Now, sometimes some publicists will say, I have a client, would you want somebody like this? And we'll filter and the team will say, Pat, this may be something that fits our criteria, then we'll do. But guests on Valuetainment, we pick and choose that we want. Like Tom will go after his guests that he wants on his shows, and we'll go after the guests that we want on our shows. I have to be interested in the person I'm interviewing that I'm going into. Could be from different walks of life. On the opposite side, people that reach out to us, I did a video called How to Raise Money as an Entrepreneur, because a lot of people kept asking me money. Pat, would you invest into my project a half a million dollars, a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars? I'm looking for an investor, $50,000, angel. And the approach that got my money was an approach that I paid attention to, an approach that didn't, you're not going to get the money. It's the same as asking somebody to be on podcast. 
be sincere, be specific, to the point, and make sure when you're asking somebody to do something for you, show them that it's not a copy-paste message. So mm. some people send a copy-paste message, and you can see the font of the name is yeah. different than all the other fonts. And <laughs> that's the first, numbers game, you don't yes. even, and that doesn't right. work. Right. So if you do the font same, and you actually say, I watched an episode from you two years ago when you talked about this, 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 that, this was my favorite when you talked about this, as well as this other episode, that tells me the person's taking some time to do it. So those are the ones that we typically pay close attention to. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. That, that you actually allow like, hey, you know what? I'll take some time. I'll take some time. I'll come on the show. I'll help out whatever way. That sure. And by the way, we still say a lot of no's to them as well who are approaching properly because yeah. Today, I, I don't think people realize, now you kind of know when you're coming in here, you're seeing how many businesses are being ran and what we're doing mm-hmm. on the complete opposite side. Right. You know, we're about to take another 15,000 square feet back there. We have 25,000 square feet on, on this side. We have a whole $1.5 million production set that we've created here with lights and staff and at eight editors and everything's internal. So people see what we're doing. And this is still not how we make money. Right. We run a business. Right. I have a board, yeah. I have investors, I have all these other people that I'm responsible to. But when we do have the time, We'll do it for the people that we believe in. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that attracted me to your brand to begin with is that you help entrepreneurs, but you are also a real entrepreneur. And I'm, I'm not saying that to disparage anybody else that might be, you know, you know what I'm saying by that. But that's one of the things that really, really intrigued me about that is that you've actually grown a business from $0 to $100 million in the last, what, eight years now? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And so when you are actually standing in front of a green screen saying, hey, this is how you scale, this is how you hire, this is how you do this and that, it's not from, I read it in a book once, so this is what I'm going to tell you. 
it's, no, 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 like last week I had a conversation with this guy who I was hiring and this is what I said and this is his feedback and this is how we've done it. So very, very valuable stuff, which is why I really like the title of the show. Was it just basically coming into saying, hey, look, we want to do valuetainment. We just want to offer value to people. So initially it was called Patrick by David. For, for the first two and a half years, it was Patrick by David. One day I came in and we were talking about a bunch of different things. I said, we got to pick one word. And I asked everybody I know, what's my one word? I asked my wife, I asked Mario, I asked everybody that works closely. When you think about me, what's the one thing I always talk about? So they gave me, you know, you talk about these five things, you talk about these four things, but everybody said capitalism and entrepreneur. Hmm. So I said, okay, that's going to be our word. And then from there, how do we deliver a message? We bring value and we entertain. And it's becoming a movement. So how about value, tain, entertain, mint, movement, valuetainment is the channel. And then it hmm. took off. Used to be a publicly traded company in Germany called Valuetainment. Oh, really? So when we first came out, it was the only other company that was named Valuetainment. And their website was valuetainment.com. After the amount of traffic that we got, they completely changed the company's name from Valuetainment to Valuetees. Oh, because really? every time wow. their company, people were going to look them up, they were finding us, so they had to change their name. And now it is what it is with Valuetainment. So that's how the name came about. Yeah, and it's an interesting story how you really got a large number of people following you with the viral video that you created. We talk about it in depth in the first conversation we had. So if you're watching this, I believe that's episode number six of Build Your Network. So you can go back all the way to episode number six. We just released episode 160 this past week. So it's been, we've been trucking Good the for last you for year, being so. disciplined from yeah. six to 160. It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, which I'm sure you, you very, very well know. So go back and listen to that because it's definitely worth um, checking out the whole, the viral video. You should watch the viral video. Virality is is such a hard thing to nail down have you attempted to take some of the things that you put into that initial viral video and try to make another one that just really goes and cranks? Yeah. So, you know, we, um, I made a video that right after that video called 24 Keys to Making Your Content Go Viral. And it's 50 minutes. So it's not, purpose of that video is not to go viral. It's yeah. just people ask me and said, hey, what is it to make a content go viral? And they think it's like three things that you do. Outside of that, maybe we've had two, three other videos that have had that kind of an effect, but nothing obviously at a 31 million views in a two-month period type of thing. That was a whole different anomaly. Yeah. But, you know, if you go out with the intention of only wanting to go viral, you will constantly be disappointed. Hmm. You will constantly be disappointed because there are a lot of movies that come out that I like the movie. And I like it more than an incredible, you know, more than another movie that was funded $100 million. But that movie didn't go viral, but it made an impact on my life. For instance, for me, I Am Legend. I, first week I Am Legend came out, I watched it three times. <laughs> Why? Because I took my entire team of executives. I said, let me tell you what the story of I Am Legend is. This is a story of what could happen when you're an entrepreneur all by yourself. No one's there to support you, where a mannequin becomes a best friend. How do you handle it when you're by yourself? where you have to talk to a mannequin at a blockbuster store he was at when he's trying to get those mm -hmm. movies and his dog is, and he loses his dog. It's like, you lost your best friend. There's nothing left. What do you do that moment of breaking point? And then comes the story with one day there's this light, you go to Vermont. There's a story that the light is at the end of the tunnel. Well, I watched that movie. Not a lot of people watch I Am Legend, mm -hmm. but it made an impact on me. So we went away from having this expectation of, man, I'm hoping everything goes viral to look. If an I am a legend can impact a guy like me, where I can see clearly exactly why the vision is so big and you got to stay the course, if that can make an impact, impact is more important than 
virality. If you get lucky, great. If you don't, that impact's got to be made. Yeah, that's exactly what I, now I do some coaching, some consulting with some people that are trying to start podcasts and trying to get content out and trying to hit top charts and all that stuff. That's the biggest thing that I try to hammer on is that engagement is what matters. People who care is what matters. Not necessarily that I had 3 million people that listened to my show. Like, okay, well, of those people, how many people are going to be willing to do something for you or do something with you or collaborate or buy a, an info product that you throw out or get access to a course or something. What matters is the impact that you're saying, right? And being able to create that, I think, and you can talk into this, comes down to consistent, valuable content with context. What would you say about that? So I follow people. So I'll give it to you this way. If my parents give me advice about my life, First thing I say, where is the advice coming from? Is it coming from a place of love? Yes. Is it coming from an expertise in this area? No. Is it coming from a based on certain their fears and motivations? And, you know, yes, they are afraid because they're worried something's going to happen to me. So I don't take the opinion or the feedback based on 100%. I take it based on 25% because only one of the four factors was met, which is love. Fine. But that's not enough for everything. Just like for me when it comes down to content creators. I follow content creators that have the ultimate trifecta, what I call T, T-E-A. They have their own theories, okay? Their theories, like I believe dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. I believe you ought to do this. Great. Then they have experience, which experience means you worked with Steve Jobs and you watched what Steve Jobs did on a daily basis and you worked with them for five years. That's very valuable. Mm. If I get a chance to work with somebody that watched Steve Jobs for five years, I put a lot of value behind you. But it's not the ultimate value, and it's just what makes sense. The ultimate value to me is A, which is application. So the person that has theories and has experience and has application is the person that gives feedback and opinions based on they personally having done it. You're going to learn a lot talking to Steve Jobs about what happened with him versus 28 employees that worked with him versus reading the book of somebody that's never met Steve Jobs writing about his theories. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. So it all depends on who you're trying to be in a content creator. The content I wanted to create, I'm the guy that's a little bit on the skeptical side when feedback's being given and the content's being given. I want to know who the content's being given to, who it's coming from, where's the motivation behind it. And then from there, I'll go and grasp and say, well, you know, these kinds of things are stuff that I'll take from it. All the other stuff, he just probably picked that up from a couple books or mentor that he had. So again... If you're trying to be an expert of experts of experts, the standards and expectations way higher. But if you want to get out there and create content and have, te- you know, telling stories and create a podcast and YouTube and, you know, entertain, I mean, you know, it doesn't take much to do that. Yeah. Where you want to be in that ranking, that's completely up to you. Yeah. So and by the way, you can monetize being at this level versus also monetizing me at the highest level. Right, right. So where yeah. do you want to be? That's the what, question. What are your particular goals? What are you right. solving for? What are you solving for? Like, I can't see myself not building a business. It's as if you took Alicia Keys' voice away from her. Mm-hmm. If I can't build a business and see a business grow and individuals grow on a team and we're building, we're solving problems and crises and investors and board meetings and numbers and data and trends and charts and challenges and failures and enemies and all, if I don't see that, like mm-hmm. I got to wake up going after that. But that's me. That doesn't have to be everybody. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that you have to be doing that? Is it DNA? Is it culture? What made you that way? I don't know if it's DNA or not, because if I go back and I look at myself, never in my life, here's one thing that most people don't realize. I'm 6'4", I'm 235. I used to be a bodybuilder. I'm pretty athletic. 
but I've never played organized sports in my life. Hmm. I don't think people realize this. Like, I don't have a single high, I've never played high school baseball. I was a great hitter, but I never played high school baseball. I never played basketball. I never played organized football. I've never been part of an organized sports team. So I don't have a part, like if, if somebody were to go investigate my 50 friends, teachers, people that I hung out with in high school, and say, who is Patrick Bay David? Nobody would tell you this guy's going to amount to anything in his life. Nobody would tell you. No one. My counselor, Miss Kay, said, I feel sorry for your parents. She said this to you. She said this to me because my dad had heart attacks. I don't blame him. I would also be having heart attacks if I had a kid like you. There was nothing that somebody would say this guy's going places. So a teacher named Miss Sinclair believed in me, and she was a major in the U.S. Army. And I said, you're in the Army? Yes. Then I went and sat down with a guy named Jesus Guerra, a recruiter, which I'd love to one day find you, Jesus, wherever you are right now. Jesus, you should probably be today around 50 years old. If anybody knows Jesus Guerra from the Glendale Recruiting Station, Reach out to me. I'd love to speak to you. So Jesus Guerra recruits me at 14, 15 years old, but I don't get recruited until 18 years old. I went and joined the Army. I was three years in the Army at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Hunter First Airborne, and I was getting ready to re-enlist, go to 18 Delta, Sears program, go to Vicenza, Italy, you know, do a, a DLI in Monterey, California, because I spoke four or five languages, and I was going to go be part of fifth group. And then I was going to do all this other stuff. And then a friend calls and says, you ought to come out. Why? Pat, I don't know if you know or not. Well, I always looked at you as a Middle Eastern Will Smith. Middle Eastern Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, because you would make us laugh and you would tell stories and you were entertaining and people liked you and you had this. I'm like, I've never heard anybody tell me that before. No, of course, that's how we view you. You got to come out. It's cool. One guy believes. I get out. I accidentally meet a girl at Venice Beach named Jean Vier who works at Morgan Stanley Dean Widow. We start dating. She picks me up in nice bars, with nice cars. We'd go to Dublin's uh, Hollywood. We'd go out. We'd have a great time. And I'd say, well, how do you make your money? I'm in financial services. Where do you work at? Morgan Stanley Dean Widow. How do I work there? You need a four-year degree. I'm not going back to college. They want to hire you. So finally, I got my job there. By the way, I send out my resume with a cover letter. I put a joke. I said, if this joke makes you laugh, call me. That's exactly how my clients are going to feel when they do business with me. So I sent it to 100 different financial services. 30 of them called me back. They laughed. They said, very funny approach. 15 gave me an interview. Three gave me an offer. Day before 9-11, today's 9-12, day before 9-11, I got into the financial industry, 01. And then I got into it. Then I liked it. Then there was an itch. Then I said, I like this. Then I saw mm -hmm. the impact. Then capitalism got into my heart. Then I realized what entrepreneurship could do for every single human being around the world. Around the world, we need to create, we need to be part of a community, and we need to own. When you own something, you have ownership. You have a sense of ownership. You're part of a community. We're trying to create. We're trying to solve issues. Those things collectively together, I said, I want to spread this message for the rest of my life. So now it has become part of my DNA. Hmm. I can't tell you if it was back in the days, but today it's my air. I got to build a business. Something created the itch though, right? Like you got a taste of blood, so to speak, when you started seeing, was it the money at first? Was it just no. like, or? Money's or, easy to make. This is America. Listen, money's the easiest thing you'll ever make. Yeah. You want to be a millionaire? Very easy to do in America. Very easy. Mm -hmm. If you don't make millions in America, you simply are not following a basic formula. It's not a complicated formula. Like it doesn't take genius to be a millionaire in America. It's very easy to be a millionaire in America. Unfortunately, we have way too many distractions today yeah. that get us away from what we could do to increase our wealth. So money, easy to make. Once you make it, like I've had the Ferrari, I had the Lambo, I had the i8, I have the Rolls Royce Dawn. I had them all at the same time. I live in a 15,000 square foot house. I travel all over the place, private jet, 
parties with prince, you know, political billionaires, all this other stuff. That's great. That is fully great. You won't necessarily see me on social media with every circle of social media influencers. A lot of people will say, Pat, how come you're not in it all the time? One, because I run a business every day. Yeah. I actually like this. Like, this is an itch for me. I love doing this. There's some special that happens when you see something go from really small to big and you see the impact and the level of confidence in people that at one point didn't really believe in themselves, they yeah. see that. That impact alone is what keeps bringing you back. Why is Popovich still coaching at 60-something years old? Why does a 70-year-old Pete Carroll still want to coach? What is wrong with you? You're already super wealthy. You're not coming back for another $7.5 million paycheck. You got grandkids. Go home. The itch. Yeah. And very few people get into the business world for the wrong reasons. And I'll tell you what it is. And this is one of the things I have a problem with sometimes, but it is a choice. It's this whole idea of, Man, you know, I just want to be a millionaire. I want to be by the beach and I want to have a computer or a laptop and I just want to travel. And I want to, that's, that's me. That's what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. I can't be on a vacation more than three days because I feel like I'm wasting my abilities. I do need the rest. I do need the uh, relaxation with mm-hmm. the spa and the massage, but I want to be in the game building something, but that's my wiring. doesn't yeah. have to be everybody's. Right. So going back, would you say that we talked a little bit about this last time again, (laughs) go check out that episode if you want to hear more in-depth story about Patrick's journey from living in Iran as a kid, coming to the States, that whole immigrant thing. Do you feel that there is an edge or an advantage to having that background or a disadvantage or is it completely neutral, doesn't matter at all? I mean, I know a lot of people from who are immigrants who are not doing anything with their lives. I know a lot of people that are immigrants that are doing great things with their lives. I know people whose parents were millionaires who the kids also became millionaires. I know a lot of people whose parents were millionaires and the kids became drug addicts, right? I can go and tell you about kids who grew up in a family where their father was a drug addict and abusive and would hit their moms, and that kid ends up in jail. I can go and tell you about a kid that was raised in a family whose father was a drug addict, abusive, hit their mom, and... He's a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. There are so many stories yeah. that you can say. The whole thing about life, to me, is about odds. Everything you're doing with life, you're playing an odds game. You're purely playing an odds game. So what does that mean? Okay, you go to the casino. Which game has the lowest chances that you have control over winning? Maybe roulette is not a good idea to play. Why? You got, what, 36 numbers? Is it 36 numbers you're playing? You got black, you got, you know. Right. So what are you going to do? I always bet on black. Okay, so I'm going to go on this at 50-50. Okay, maybe the only game in the casino that gives you the biggest advantage if you can't, uh, don't know how to count cards is mm-hmm. poker. Because poker, you're playing against who? You're playing against the opposition. You're not playing against a computer. I am playing against you. If you're better at playing poker than me, then the chances are you're going to beat me. And that's okay. Over the long term. Yeah. Over the long term. But that's okay mm-hmm. because you're better than me in the game of poker, right? Roulette, I'm playing odds. I don't want to put my numbers on the odds side. Having said that, did it give me an advantage to have been born in Iran and live there 10 years and go through that? I mean, I can tell you, put a lot of fears in me. It put a lot of uh, paranoia in me, put a lot of skepticism in me, put a lot of uh, anxiety in me. There's nothing worse than a whistling sound and you hear a bomb. I watch movies and I see the whistling sound. It takes me back to being eight years old. It happens till today. You know, there's a lot of things like that that it does to you. But the benefit is also the fact that you're always in the hunt. You know, you are more grateful about America. When I sit there and see people that were born in America, they went to great schools, and they're bitching about how bad America is, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. What other country have you ever lived in? None. So you are saying this based on what you heard on the news, and you're saying America is bad, and you've never lived anywhere else before? Yes. 
I mean, you're naive if you're doing something like that and you like gratitude. Yeah. Maybe you need to take a moment and go live in another country for a year to realize how amazing America is. Maybe go to France, go to Venezuela, go to some of these places and realize it. So for me, at least, I am a very proud Iranian. Very. I love Iran. People think that's weird. It's my heart. I was born there. I love Iran. I listened to a song by a guy named Satar who says, I think it's Satar, maybe it's Moin, who says, My heart wants me to return to Esfahan. Esfahan is the only place that my parents took a vacation on that I went on. Only place, and it was one day. We were not a wealthy family. I'm a Syrian. I'm a proud Assyrian. It's a small community. A few million people worldwide. Very proud Assyrian. I'm a proud Armenian, but I'm also a diehard proud American. So every one of these things in my blood matters to me, and I'm grateful for them. So for me, that state allows me to see what options I have in America and situate myself in a way that are the highest chances of winning, and I capitalize on it. Yeah, so you're a huge proponent of capitalism, which huge. is America yep. in a nutshell. Talk into that for a little bit. Well, I think everyone's a capitalist. Even a socialist is a capitalist, okay? I believe everybody's a capitalist. I believe the person that uh, believes in communism isn't driven by communism. He's driven by control except he wants to have the control and for you not to have the control. So he's the ultimate capitalist, but that's driven based on ego and problem and insecurities and fears of you not wanting additional competition because you want to beat the competition by eliminating the competition and killing the competition, which that's a sign of a pansy. It's a sissy who does that. I want to face you at your prime to fight me to really actually realize if I'm good or not, which is what Conor McGregor does, which is why Conor all of a sudden had 25 million followers on Instagram because people mm -hmm. said, this guy at least puts his chin out there and gets knocked out and lost to Diaz. And he right. came back and did an interview after the loss. And he said, how do you feel with all the marks on his face? And it's a three minute interview. Everybody ought to watch. And he says, look, I mean, I lost, you know, I give him a lot of props. I, I didn't know that he had, he was tougher. The guy is this, the guy is that. He says, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to make a comeback. Believe me, I'm going to make a comeback. I mean, that's, and come back and he wins. And he did it. Yeah. And three yeah. times he hits him. This time he doesn't follow him because the other time Diaz was pulling him in. And every time he knocked him down, he didn't go after him because he knows Diaz is a stronger on the ground. So he came back and then boom, all of a sudden he wins. The world's like, man, this guy's got guts and he goes against Mayweather, loses. He's not 59 and 0, but we right. respect a guy like that, right? You got to love a guy like that. Capitalism to me is allows the average guy like myself, you know, there's a lot of people smarter than me. There's a lot of people with education, better backgrounds, better talents, better a lot of other things. Right. But if a guy like me through the system of capitalism can become where he's at today, I'm sorry. More people need to realize that this benefit program called capitalism is the best benefit program that some countries offer they need to take advantage of. It's very easy to impose all the other philosophies onto people. It's very easy for me to go out there and, you know, so many parents are concerned about the F-bomb. You know, honey, don't say the F-word. Don't say the F-word. I would much rather have a guy that's going to get on stage and say the F-word than say the other F-word to manipulate people, which is free. It's a four-letter F-word. We are getting so many people that are getting manipulated by the four-letter F-word called free, and we need to realize anything you give to me that's free comes with a price. I don't want it. I would much rather go earn it and not have to owe you anything, and I'm going to go get to work, and I'll do it. I don't need to feel like I need the government. I don't need to feel like somebody needs to put their thumb on me. Let me go earn it. If I don't, it's fine. I'll go get a job and settle, but at least let me find out if I can fight in a ring or not. I think capitalism is the ultimate equal opportunity for everybody. And by the way, realize this. 
not everybody's going to be a Jeff Bezos. There's only one Jeff Bezos in the world. He's mm-hmm. worth $160 billion. Not everybody's going to be an Elon Musk that everybody's trying to handcuff right now because his wiring, he's like the Tasmanian devil and this board is trying to push him more and more and more and more. He's like, leave me alone a little bit. Give me a little bit of space. You can't control personalities like that. They can control personalities like Steve Jobs. You can't control certain personalities like that. I don't mean everybody needs to go out there and be a Jobs, a Bezos, a Gates, mm-hmm. a Musk. But I do believe anybody can go start a business on the side and make an additional $6,000 a month. Right. That I believe everybody can do. And I do believe that can impact somebody's life. If you go make your three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month part-time, you can build a business to do that. Online, offline, face-to-face, doesn't matter. That is available to you. It just takes a lot of work. Yeah. So you, you get started, come over to the States. Was it because of capitalism or was it because of all the unrest that was in the area? No. Khomeini died June 3rd, 89. And in Iran, a boy, when he turns 12, they keep you to serve the military. And so my family was concerned about me serving the military in Iran. So we escaped. Four, uh, six weeks later, we went to Germany and lived at a refugee camp with the hopes of finally coming here. Okay. So at that point, capitalism didn't really get here to me until I was 29 years old when I met George Will. Like prior to that, I can tell you from the day I'm born to 29 years old, I have probably used the word capitalism maybe 15 times, maybe 15 times, and I'm highballing it. But once it got my heart and I saw what it did to my life, then I became an advocate of it to uh, share it with everybody. So go to the army, you come back, you're in the LA area, mm-hmm. right? Get into financial services. How long until then before you decide, you know what, I can do this and I can do it really well? In financial services? Right. And start PHP. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it took years. I didn't think, you know, I knew nothing. Like my parents have never owned a mutual fund before. I didn't know what a mutual fund was. Hmm. I didn't know what a stock was. I didn't know like if you buy stock in Nike, that means you're part owner of Nike. I didn't know that. I didn't know what a bond was. It's a debt. So I buy a debt. What do you mean I buy it? Yeah, you buy a debt like $10,000 and they give you 6%. And then when it matures 10, 20 years from now, you get that money back. What does that even mean? I didn't know what an option was. I didn't know what a future commodity was. So I'm like, I don't even know if I can sell this stuff because we've never owned it. We've never owned a life insurance policy before. People from the Middle East, especially Iranians, they don't really believe in life insurance. It's like, one, it's bad luck. And two, You know, religious, some of the people, they don't even believe that you should buy life insurance, right? Hmm. So initially when I got into it, I didn't believe I was going to be able to make it. Second year, I didn't believe I was going to make it. And then one day, my dad had a heart attack. And I'm at UCLA Medical Center, and I'm upstairs, and I go in, and they're treating my dad just casually. They put him in a regular room, and the nurse is not even paying any attention to him. Hmm. And I lost it, so I got kicked out. Security came, cops came, they kicked me out, they took me outside. I said, you got to give me my dad a better treatment. And so I said, sir, let me simplify it for you. This is a government hospital, okay? Does your dad have a health insurance policy? No. You don't make choices. We do. This is what we're offering. And you need to get out of here. And they kicked me out. I go downstairs. I'm in my Ford Focus. And I cry like a little baby. 30 minutes straight. And literally, it's as if the day prior to that, I was the party animal going to Dublin's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm at... Miyagi's, I'm at Century Club, I'm at uh, Garden of Eden, I'm at all these other places because that's the spot I'm going to, right? And I said, don't call me, don't bother me, don't even mess with me, you are not going to find me at these clubs. Oh, Patty, you're right, you're not going to come. You love the girls. You're not going to find me at those clubs. Like this, you won't recognize, like it was as if my twin showed up, except you don't recognize my twin. So imagine I got a twin. My twin brother is absolutely serious about winning big. 
and I'm the guy that's the party guy, that's the fun guy, that's the kickback guy that wants to look good, that wants to have muscles, that wants to chase skirts, that wants to, I'm that guy that you want to go to a club with because you're going to have a good time, you're going right, to drink, right. we're going to all this other stuff. It's as if I became my twin mm. and you don't even recognize me. Like overnight. Me. When I tell you overnight, I don't mean like it took a week. It took one night. Wow. No one recognized me the next day. And then it was, boom. How quickly did your friend circle change after that? Immediately, because uh, never forget a good friend of mine. His name is Devin. Love this guy. Till today, I mean, I, I literally love this guy. And I always thank him for this, because when I was in the Army and I got out, the only person that allowed me to stay at his house was him. I lived at his house for 18 days. I mean, at that point, I was not a, a person that had, you know, everything stable. So I stayed with him at his house for 18 days. And when I came in town, we partied a lot together. It was me, him, and another girl named Nairi. We were very good friends together. And uh, we worked at Burger King together back in the days, me, him, and Kogan. And I'll never forget what Devin said to me. Devin said to me, he says, Pat, you know what's crazy? I said, what's that? He said, I miss the old Pat. Hmm. I said, really? He said, yeah, I miss the old Pat. I said, you know, I don't miss him. He says, you don't miss him? I said, no, I don't miss him. He said, you know, the old Pat was easy to be around. The old Pat was fun. This new Pat is too serious. I said, man, this new Pat is determined. Yeah. So what happened to my dad? I'm not going to die. One of my biggest fears in life, I never met my dad's father. So I wanted to meet him because if my dad's such a great man, I want to know who had the influence over him. But I never met his dad. I just heard stories about his dad. And I said, I'm not going to die without my sons not meeting their grandfather. And if my dad's going to die early because of all the stress he's having because of money, I'm going to wipe out the stress. If my dad's going to die, he's going to die because of natural cause of cancer. But this dude's not going to die from stress over money. And that's all he had. He had a lot of stress over money. So I got to work and I took one of the reasons for heart attack out, which is stress. I can't control cancer, I can't control car accident, but I'm gonna pull the one card out. So I don't have guilt the rest of my life that my father died from a heart attack because he had so much stress on him. If he died with cancer, if he died from a natural cause, I can't do nothing about it. So then from there, the fire was changed and- uh, Biggest thing that changed was your why, 100%. Oh, buddy, you wouldn't recognize me. I got so crystal clear. Hmm. I got so crystal clear. How do you get somebody who was in that same position that you were in to change their why without having a big life traumatic thing happen? Or do you think that that's possible for someone to change like that? Yeah, it's accidental or it's intentional. So you're either gonna change something in your life accidentally or intentionally. For me, I was an immature 22 year old, 23 year old that was just like any other 22, 23 year old, wanted to go to clubs, wanted to get laid, wanted to get girls, wanted to date the hottest girl in the club. I wanted to be the hottest, I wanted the hottest girl was my girl. I wanted to walk in the beach and you say, damn, who is that guy? Why? Because she's hot as hell. No one's hot. As, that was me. Right, it was right. so important to me. Yeah. Still I, super competitive. Oh, yeah. In that space, mm -hmm. in that space, I wanted everybody to say, man, I want to get with that guy's girl. Man, that guy's girl's hot. And that's what it was with me. It was always like, hey, who's Pat with? So that was the thing for me. But then it was like, boom. When that happened to me, mm -hmm. so accident versus intentional to answer your question for you. It doesn't have to get to that state. Let me explain why. From that, that moment on, I told myself, I am no longer gonna let it get to a moment of crisis for me to change. So I went from accidental change, which is what happened that night in front of UCLA Medical Center, to intentional change because I chose to change. So I knew like right now, we had a crisis that was coming up in the company about a year ago, and I knew it was coming up, and I knew it was gonna take six to 12 months for this crisis to come up. We changed way before, and it was a choice. Yeah, yeah. And so because we changed, boom, we went from selling 400 policies a month three years ago to we sold 4,773 life insurance policies last month. Wow. 
That's insurance policies in a month. That's unheard of. We're the fastest growing insurance agency in America today. But because we no longer waited for accidental change, it became intentional. So I believe anybody can look at a story like that and say, wow, I don't want to wait till my dad you know, has a heart attack or mom has a heart attack or my kid leaves me or my wife leaves me or my husband leaves me before I do something like this. Intentional. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah. So you are obviously an insanely busy person. You're running a nine-figure business in this other wing right here. You have this valuetainment you've created that's coming up on a million subs, if I'm not mistaken, right, on YouTube. Then you have family and you have this circle over here. You got all this stuff going on. How do you find time? How much do you prioritize on-purpose learning and self-education currently? And what does that look like for you? Yeah. So like uh, for me right now, uh, books I read are more intentional. So I'll get a lot of people that send me their books. I don't read every book that people send me as a gift. I keep them. It's very nice that people send me gifts. But if I read a book, it's because I'm choosing to want to read that specific topic that I'm studying on. So if it's data or if it's trends or if it's human nature, if it's politics, taxes, raising money, you know, how to deal with a board, I'm going after a topic that I'm studying. So it's more studying than anything else. So today I read, but at the same time, I also read a lot that's not books. I read articles. I read things that are written by somebody who writes a paper. And I get content like that for myself to keep my mind going. Because, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing to have a computer, but nothing is more powerful than this if you feed it. I see so many people that I look at them, I say, did this guy really realize how powerful his mind is? I had a meeting with a big influencer. He knows who he is if he watches this. Won't mention him. He was in town. We had a visit together. And he's got one of the bigger channels on YouTube, bigger than mine at this mm-hmm. point. And so I told him, I said, do you realize, you know, one can't go to a Tony Robbins seminar or come spend a day with me or go read a book and have your wiring of your brain? Do you realize that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, no, no, let me say this one more time. I don't want you to get cocky. I'm not trying to make you feel good. This is actually the opposite of making you feel good. This should make you feel bad because you have a processor here that is so insane that if put to use, can do 10 times more than what you're doing today. And you're not putting it to use. Why are you not putting it to use? So he was kind of taken by it. So sometimes there are people that have this, but they don't feed it so the muscle doesn't develop. Like a bodybuilder looks at somebody's body and they say, Bodybuilders will always do this. They'll look at a guy and they'll say, what is wrong with this guy? Man, he's got a better physique than I. I wish I had this guy's genetics. Look at this guy's genetics. It's perfect. Look at the way his ankles are, like, and then his calves, his knees, the way it's, like, small and, you know, you know endomorph, ectomorph. And I know, like, this guy's shoulders are, and he was a swimmer, which means his lats are going to come out. Yet his traps are there, but he's got legs that matches, and it's, like, arms are not too long. It's long, but it's not so long where the muscle is going to be too tough to develop. A bodybuilder looked at people's body that way. Yeah. Different than you and I look at someone's body. That's how I look at some people's minds sometimes. And I say, this guy can't crush it, but he's not feeding it. So for me, it's very important to keep feeding this thing because I know what it spits out and what it produces, the more it's fed. Is that mostly through books or books and mentorship, uh, anything books, like that? Books, conversations, debates. Conversations. I love debates. I think debates strengthen a lot of your arguments and it makes you want to go do more research. So I like debates, mm. not debates in with somebody that's a opinion driven debate. That's, you know, I just don't like rich people. I'm not talking that I'm talking like I'm sitting with somebody that is 10 times smarter than me in a specific topic. And I'm pushing mm. my questions to get clear and he's pushing me back. And every time I'm like, nah, I never thought about that. He's right. I never thought about that. He's right. Mm. Oh my gosh, what a great point. And I'm just getting yeah. my own arguments to be clear. So 
Books, yes. Content, yes. But also debates. I like debates. I'm curious with you having Valuetainment and all the awesome people that you'd be able to talk to on there. When you started the show, did you look at it as more of a way to get education out? or kind of almost a selfish way to for you to be able to connect with a bunch of people and have those conversations and those debates with the people that you wanted to have them with? Good question. No, I honestly think when we first started social media, like I came on last, you know, from the names. If you look at the names today, yeah. most of the guys got on YouTube in 07 or, you know, 07, whenever YouTube came out or Twitter, they're early, Facebook, they're early. I was never on Vine. I don't even know what Vine looks like. Like I've never <laughs> been on Vine. I've never been on Friendster. I don't know any of this stuff. I was not a social media guy. When you sell mutual fund stocks, bonds, you're in the securities industry, it's so regulated that they, everything is, anything you post on social media, you have to get it approved. So we were told by broker dealers and FINRA that, you know, you were posting on social media could be held against you. So we were very much, you know, I just don't even want to risk it. So I don't want to lose my license. But once I got into it and I saw that today's line of communication is completely different, and if you want to be relevant today, you have to have a voice. You saw who's a president today. He's a president today because he understands Twitter better than anybody Persuasion. else. He's a, he understands Magic. Twitter better than anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to play with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. The president prior to him, he understands Twitter better than anyone except for Trump. He also <laughs> understands social media. Right. Ron Paul was the first guy to raise $6 million in 24 hours on MySpace. Wow. Ron Paul, who is... 83 years old right now. He ran as a Republican. He raised $6 million on MySpace, I think in 04, 06, some number like that. It's the most ever raised on the internet. This was a 70-year-old man raising $6 million on the internet. Yeah. So the moment you start seeing those kinds of things, you realize, I got to go in that direction. And Catching we did. on those trends. And then you decide where you belong within it. I'm, today's uh, my car. I left it here because last time when we went to Austin, I left the rolls here. So this morning I get up to go and get in the road. I'm like, where's the car? It's not here. I'm like, oh, I got to get it. So I call an Uber. Uber picks me up. Lady is picking me up. We start telling, where are you from? Well, I'm from Sunshine. Okay, great. So uh, what do you do? Oh, I also have a YouTube channel on the site. She's telling me, oh, tell me your YouTube channel. So I went and looked up her YouTube channel. And we're speaking. She says, no, no, no. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. You know, I don't want you. Matter of fact, I'm going to give her love here on the video. She's got two subscribers. Okay. <laughs> she said, I created an alias name. Her name is Daisy Habibi. Go give her a hard time, right? Say, Patrick talked about you on a podcast or an interview, okay? She's got two subscribers today, and it's a makeup channel. I'm not going to go on a makeup channel for myself. You're probably not going to go on it either. Not publicly. Not publicly, (laughs) privately, right? But I look at this, and she says, oh, please, please don't look at it. It's embarrassing. I said, why not? But the videos are not good yet. I said, don't worry about it. So right now, you're testing. You are not going to know for a year or two years on where you want to be. You're probably going to know two years. Look at social media and your brand like this. The first girl you ever kissed, you don't marry her. That's called puppy love. You come home and you tell your mom that's going to be your wife. Six months later, she kisses your friend. And then it changes. Then you have your first heartbreak and puppy love simultaneously. Then you have a steady girlfriend for two or three years. Then you learn how sex works. Then you learn maybe another girl. Then you finally realize what you didn't like about the first one, what you screwed up, what she screwed up, and what you didn't like about the second one or the third one. Then you have an idea who you want to be with long-term. Then you choose, do I even want to get married or not? Maybe I don't even want to get married. But you know if you want kids, you know if you want to be married, you know whatever. So then you decided to get married at 30 years old, right? Yeah, yeah. Take that and compress it to two, three years, that's social media. You can be on social media. You don't know yet who you're going to be, but you will two to three years. Yeah. So you don't want to speed it up too much to put yourself in a box because you may screw up your next move. 
You almost got to dance with social media until yourself and your audience says, Travis, I like it when you talk about pa, pa, pa. Perfect. Interesting. I keep hearing this from seven people. Let's dig deep and see what this is all about. And it'll give you a lot of clues to what you, what you should do next. The so most important thing would be to take action, to do something. Start right? something. Yeah. Yeah. Start something. The world wants to know what you're thinking about. Start something. Start something and see where it takes you. And then from there, you know, you got two brands today, your business and yourself. You have to make sure you're developing both today. Elon Musk wasn't at first. Now he understands Twitter. Okay, he got in trouble with Twitter a little bit when he got up and he said he's taking the company private and now he's being sued. But he also learned a little bit how to mess with Twitter. Years ago, Steve Jobs understood media. He would call Playboy and he would say, I, people who like Apple, probably also like Playboy because it's edgy. He didn't call New York Times and said, write an article on me. He called the editor-in-chief of Playboy and said, come and interview me. He Mm. called him. He understood marketing. Once you understand marketing and storytelling, things change. And attention. Grabbing attention. Yes, relevance. You stay relevant for a while. It's a hard thing to do. You know, there are only two artists in the history of America that have had a number one hit in four different decades. Mm. Let me say this one more time. Only two names of people. You're from Austin. Do you know who the two are? Only two artists that have had a number one hit on the billboards four different decades. Do you know who the two names are? You have any clue or no? Ready? Ray Charles and Stink. Uh-huh. Four decades. Wow. They were relevant for four decades. That's insanity. Yeah. You yeah. know Stink? You know Ray Charles. Four decades. It's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> you get a guy that does one hit as a famous for two years and they're done. Right. Four decades. That's legit. That's incredible. And in the business world, it's the same thing. How long can you stay relevant? And how do you do that? You have to constantly recreate yourself. Pivoting. So you have to recreate you. So you have to recreate you, recreate you, recreate you. If you don't, you become stale. Like, look at Will Smith. So there was this idea at one point. It's like, oh, only, you know, celebrities don't vlog. Right, right. You know, only people that want to be celebrities vlog. Right. So a lot of names didn't want to do vlogging. So what happened? Nobody's doing it. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith is sitting there saying, man, people don't talk about me as much as they're talking about all these other guys. Yeah. I'm starting to see Logan Paul is more famous than me today. I was going to say, like Jake Paul. Oh Logan my Paul. gosh, right, yeah. what is wrong? I'll kill it on Instagram and vlog. Yeah. I'm going to kill all these guys because I'm the original Logan Paul. Right. right. Even when you look at Will Smith, it's I really, mean, who yeah. is cooler than Will Smith? Right. So Will Smith goes on the Instagram game. What happens? Boom! He blows up the whole Kiki challenge, right? Yeah. He does the Kiki challenge on top of a, you know, he walks yeah, the bridge, up. I, don't know if yeah. saw, I mean, that's legit <laughs> stuff, right? Right, right? So then you see, I'm with Kevin Hart. I said, Kevin, why YouTube? It's just the direction it's going to. He's a comedian, only guy in the history of comedy that filled up a football stadium. Yeah. Football stadium. Crazy. He's on social media with a YouTube channel. Dwayne Johnson, highest paid actor last year, $124 million. Why does he have a YouTube channel? It's no longer about just the people that want to be celebrities go on YouTube. Celebrities are starting to realize. To stay relevant, I have to recreate myself. And the entire game of relevance is to be able to constantly recreate yourself because yeah. people eventually get bored with you. Do you think it's a pride thing for a lot of people? They're just like, well, I do movies. I'm not going to do this as well. That's I, dumb I or that's below me. Yeah, yeah. sometimes maybe. I, sometimes maybe. And not just to that specific situation, just in general, being willing to recreate yourself. You would have to be able to say, I don't know this area as much as I thought I needed to. I need to learn more about this. Yeah, I mean, look, su- success lies. You know, people running up to you and tell you how amazing you are lies. I'll give it to you in a whole different way. Uh, women are beautiful in their 20s, in their 30s. There's a lot of beautiful women in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like Sophia Loren was beautiful till the very end or, Elizabeth Taylor or, you know, 
J-Lo still is gorgeous at her age. My wife and I were looking at her Instagram account. We're like, look, what does she even look like? I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. She looks like she's still 18. Power to her, more power to her for understanding how much her body mattered. But a lot of times people think just because you were hot in your 20s, you're going to be hot in your 40s and you don't need to take care of yourself. Right, right. It's very similar to people in business. Just because you became a millionaire and you were famous, you think at 45 you're still relevant? You're no longer a 22-year-old millionaire. Right. Now you're right. a 45-year-old millionaire. No one cares if you're a 45 year No one cares if you're a 45-year-old billionaire. <laughs> you better do something completely different for you to keep right. the relevancy, right? So, you know, things are very different when you want to stay relevant for that long of a time. You have to constantly recreate yourself. Trump went from being a business guy. He was in the shadow of his father. It's number one. Oh, he is Fred Trump's son. Then he went into being a real estate guy because he went away from the market that his dad was in. He went into his own market in Manhattan. His dad wanted Jersey. He went to Manhattan. So he made a name for himself in Manhattan, which is where he wanted to be. Then he goes on Oprah Winfrey show. Then he has Apprentice. He recreates. Then he becomes a politician. What? Right. Four decades of recreating himself. Yeah. Whether you like him or not, Got to give credit. He's still relevant. Yeah. Would you say he's probably one of the most, if not the most persuasive person in the world? Hands down. Yeah. yeah. I read a book recently by Scott Adams called Win Bigly. Highly recommend everybody pick it up. It's, it's interesting because Scott is such a, um, he, he's a very liberal guy politically, but the position with which he writes the book comes from just studying Trump's persuasive ability. And it's incredible. Some of the stuff that even I, as more of a political conservative, would look at when during the election cycle and be like, man, why'd you do that? That was dumb. And I read about it in the book. And I'm like, that just makes total sense. <laughs> and he understands it at such a deep, deep level. So I want to ask you this question. What are three skills that people need to develop? Like it's like a, it's not even a negotiable. Like you need to be working on these skills in order to be successful in whatever area of life you're doing. If it's your career and you want to be an executive and you don't, you don't want to be an entrepreneur, or if you are an entrepreneur, what would those? At what level be? do you want to be? At what level do you want to play? I mean, that's the real question because if it's, I think the, top five percent of income earners. Oh yeah, so you don't okay. have to be so multi multi millionaire, so, but let's okay. say six figure level. All right. So yeah. oh, six figure level. You got to have hard work. You got to be able to learn, sell, and communicate, persuade, and. Uh, be able to minimize the amount of mistakes you make to not have start-stops. I think sometimes people don't realize how much of an effect a habit of start-stopping has on their success. Like it's momentum. Mm. If I have my money in the market and all of a sudden, you know, two years down the line, I decide to take $40,000 out and I go buy a car and I, you know, take that money out and then my $100,000 mutual fund goes to $60,000 stock portfolio. But that's when the boom takes place, mm -hmm. where if I would have left my $100,000, that $100,000 was going to be $300,000. Ten years later, I'm just making yeah, yeah. an example of it. And now, instead of the $300,000, my 40 is 120. I just lost 180 mm. to get the $40,000 card that's now worth $16,000. So start stops means you go, you're killing it. All of a sudden, boom, you have a surge. You make $28,000 a month. You make $46,000 a month. Your expenses are covered for three months. Your expenses are covered for four months. And then you party and you take a two-week vacation rather than a weekend vacation. Mm. And then you kick back and relax and you drink a little bit too much and you sleep in at 9 o'clock and you come in at 10 o'clock. No one knows. You watch movies till 2 o'clock. You're eating ice cream late. You got four girlfriends now that no one knows about. And that's creating a havoc in your brain because you got caught telling Mary Jennifer and you told Jennifer Cindy and you told Cindy something else. And now you're trying to overcome that argument. And all that start-stop is hurting your momentum. So... Mm. At the elementary level of making six figures, hard works, you know, sales and not having a lot of start stops, 
to hurt your momentum. You do that, you're going to be okay. At the next level, it's a completely different language. I was going to say, so what changes in the seven-figure Well, the next level is, you know, reading people. You got to be able to read people when you're sitting in boardrooms. You got to be able to read people when you're meeting with employees. You got to be able to read people when, you know, one of your executives who matters a lot to your business is not currently happy. And, you know, why are they not happy? Are they happy because you did something wrong or are they happy because they're just never happy? Because if they're never happy, you can't really do anything for that person. It's just they're not happy. Is it they're not happy because their personal life with their marriage? Do I need to go talk to them and their wife? Do we need to have dinner together? Do we need to do something there to help them out? A client, a big client is not happy with you. What happened there? You need to be able to read that this is what's taking place. And you can, you're not going to get it on, you know, on point all the time. You'll be off quite a lot, but yeah. you want to increase that percentage. If you're on 30%, what can I do to be right? 50%, 60%. So you're trying to increase like free throw percentage, increasing it. So reading people, but if you ask me the number one skill set for life period that's above everything, it's learning how to process issues. To me, number one is learning how to process issues. Hmm. We'll sit in a room here and we'll have, we'll try, we have an issue we're facing, okay? X, Y, Z, whatever the issue is. And everybody's trying to say, what do we need to do to solve this problem? What do we need to do? And I'll ask, what are we solving for? What is X? Is X money? Is X now? Is X later? Is X growth? What is X? Well, I think what we're solving for right now is such and such. Then why are we spending so much time worried about this? If money's not an issue, let's stop worrying about this and let's solve for quality. Yes? Yes. Which one of these three vendors we're looking at is going to offer better quality? These guys have produced three products that are impeccable, ran by $20 billion companies each. Are these guys you trust? Yes. How much premium are we paying on this? 25%. So I'm going to pay 25%, so it's normally going to cost me $2 million, but I'm going to pay these guys $2.5 bucks versus I'm going to pay these guys you know, $2 million, but that $500,000 additional investment is going to give me credibility of knowing they're going to come through. Why am I risking it? Let's pay the 2.5 million because money's not an issue. Hmm. Versus we were being a cheapskate because we used to be cheapskates three years ago because we didn't have money. Right, we can't right. think like that anymore. So processing issues, I know it doesn't make sense to everybody when I talk about this and software X, yeah. but nothing is more important to me than learning how to process issues and solve for it. As a matter of fact, I just signed a deal with Simon & Schuster a year ago that to write a book on this topic of solving forex and processing issues, and it's going to be the formula exactly how to process issues and solve forex, and that book's going to come out probably next six to nine months. Awesome, awesome. So coming up on Million Subs, you keep saying that you're going to throw an event once you hit that million subscribers mark. Do we have a little sneak peek of what that might look like? Do you have, are you already beginning to think about what that's going to be? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be a two-and-a-half-day event, and it's going to be all eight throughs of running a business. I mean, it's going to be all of it. It's going to be getting you from thinking like a salesperson to a sales leader to a business owner to a CEO. Hmm. How do you think like a CEO? Way before you become a CEO, you have to think like a CEO, right? So what does a CEO think like? What is a wiring of that? What issues are you going to face? How do you put a solid team together? How do you find people? How do you raise money? This isn't going to be one of those conferences you go to where everybody sells their webinar yeah. or sells their product. This is not that conference. So I'm not paying $3,000 to go to a place and buy a bunch of other packages. This is not it. You're going to go two and a half days. We're going to talk about you growing a business and increasing the world economy because people are going to come to this conference from all over the world. It's either going to be in Dallas or it's going to be in East Coast to make it easy for Europeans to come to the airport. So, But that's going to be... 120 days after we cross a million subs. Perfect. So it should be soon. Awesome. 
Awesome. Last question here. This is something I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Got to get your opinion on it. Who you know or what you know? Which one's more important and why? Who you know will never make you the expert. It's one form of equity. I just did a video this last week saying seven forms of equity, which is one of them is who you know, your contact. Mm. What you know, you're the expert. If you're the expert, everyone comes to you. If a person knows the right people, you have to go to them, but you're not the expert. So eventually you're not going to be needed because you always need other people. My focus is going to be more of going from the route of what uh, Mount Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know if you've seen that movie. If you've seen that movie. Yeah. So he went away from everybody and he just developed the hell out of himself and then the world needed him. Mm -hmm. So I'm more about you developing you, increase your market value, and then who you need to know, you will eventually get to know. Perfect. Perfect. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show. We've got the quick random round to get into, and then uh, we'll sign off. Let's do it. All right. Perfect. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? For me, mm-hmm. I'd be a hell of a, a sports owner. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Ooh, it's the guy on that painting who his uh, face is not in, but if I can say one outside of that one, because then I'd be revealing it probably for me would be the Shah of Iran. How do you like to consume content the best? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I like books. I like physical books. Okay. And what would be a one book that you would recommend in general to an audience of entrepreneurs? I mean, if you go old school for me, it's Laws of Success. It's by Napoleon Hill. A lot of people like Think and Grow Rich. I'm a Laws of Success guy. Okay. I'd probably put that at the top. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I'm up early, uh, spend time with the kids. And then right after that, I go to the gym and then I come to work and I'm off to the races. What is your go-to pump-up song? What is my go-to pump-up song? If I'm really pissed off, it's probably Easy e or Tupac Hit em Up. <laughs> but if I'm um, a guy that's just doing the routine, I like Looney's, I got five on it. I, got, I like Go For It, Rocky Five. I like any of the No Easy Way Out, any of that stuff. That's a good one. But yeah, uh, sure. some of those. What is something that you're not very good at? Oh my gosh. I mean, the list is long. What am I not very good at? I'm not good at cooking. I'm not a handyman. Here's one. My wife makes fun of me. She's the, <laughs> she's the handyman of the house. You know, a lot of people think I'm a handyman. I am not a handyman. My dad is the sickest handyman in the world. His son, complete opposite. <laughs> didn't never didn't get that. No. <laughs> and I'm proud of it. I'm fine with it. As we get everything wrapped up here, Pat, what is one place online where we're going to find you the most? If you're just trying to consume my content, it would be on YouTube to go to Valuetainment. If you want me to respond, it's Twitter, at Patrick David. I'm going to respond to you on Twitter or Instagram. Either one of them, I'll respond back to you. Awesome. Perfect. If you have not followed Patrick, you're not consuming some of the content he's putting out there, I 100% recommend it. He's, like I said, at the beginning of this interview, one of the only people that's out there that's built a real nine-figure business that gives practical tips and ideas of how to grow your business from experience, not just from reading in a book or learning about it from somebody else. So, Pat, thanks so much for coming on again, man. It was a blast chatting with you. Appreciate you for having me, man. Yes, Keep sir. at it. Yes, Thank sir. you. Always. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show because they're literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is something that you are interested in at all, then hit me up and let's chat to see if you'd be a good fit for my mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. Just head over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to fill out an application and we'll talk soon. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.